Kim. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Ranked uh, above 80th. Hey, Ed, can you hear us? Hello? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, this is not Hello? good. This is the Press Box. On Are you there? Come on! With Grady and Bischoff. Ed, disconnect! Are you there? Ed, check your phone! You're sending us messages. Yes, we hear you. Disconnect. On ESPN Las Vegas. Did you hear me saying hello when you were yelling at me to disconnect? Yes, I was. That's oh, that's awesome. Good. Hey, how's your bracket? That's good. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. Ed, Tyler, Danny's down here, and Jared's at the studio. We're back. Back on Friday at the Westgate Las Vegas in the huge sportsbook. Day two of the NSA tournament. Who in the hell is St. Peter's? Hey, the Peacocks. Oh, my God. Who, are, who is St. Peter's? What a day. I know St. Mary's. You know St. Mary's, but haven't heard Peter's. of St. Peter's. Oh, my goodness. What a St. day. St. Peter's, what a day. Don't you feel bad for John Calipari? No. Why not? I don't feel bad for Come that on. guy. Come on. He lost to St. Peter's. Uh, you got to feel sad for John uh, Calipari. Come on. I can't feel bad for him. He's going to be on the hot seat soon, even though he's got like a lifetime yeah. contract to Kentucky. Turn That'd up the hard. heat. That'd be hard to get him on the hot seat <laughs> with the amount of money made. <laughs> Uh, I read this morning, I just got a flash that said there's 171 perfect back brackets left in ESPN's, you know, bracket bowl out of 17 million. That's uh, impressive. There's that many. It's impressive. You're telling me that many people, people at St. Peter's? Peter's? Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, what are you going to do? Here we go. Was that the was that the signal? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, it, Jared. Signal. Okay. The first bite. The first bite is brought to you by our listener, Stephen. Are the Raiders Super Bowl contenders now? They got Devontae Adams. I don't think they're contenders yet. Wow. Why the hell did they trade for Devontae who's, Adams then? Who's going to block for Derek Carr to throw That's to Devontae question. Adams? That's a good question. Jared <laughs> Jones-Smith. Yeah. yeah. Elamore. Is that his name? Elamanor. Elamanor. Forgot a uh, sound in there, a syllable in there. Um <laughs> So they trade for Devontae Adams, uh, the best wide receiver in the NFL the last four or five years. Uh, they give up a first and a second round picks, and that's Green Bay. And they sign Devontae Adams to a five-year contract worth $141.5 million. That comes out to 28.2 per year. Now, as with pretty much all NFL contracts, it's not fully guaranteed. Roughly three years of it is about guaranteed. Um, so it's unlikely that he actually plays out the five years because it's unlikely most people do. But Adams is now the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. So the Raiders not only gave up a first and a second, but they also gave up a whole bunch of money in cap space to go get Devontae Adams. But you don't think they're Super Bowl contenders yet. So let me ask you this. I don't think this. they are. Why make the trade for Devontae Adams? To get closer? I mean, to get closer. Is to, that to the goal closer? to be to be a well, close I mean, to the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, we don't know what else they're going to do. Also, we don't know what else they're going to do. We don't know what they're going to do to the offensive line. We don't, you know, do they still get in on Stefan Gilmore? Which I think people are insinuating on Twitter, at least, that they're they might be close with him. So, in a week from now, I might change my tune. But uh, and the other thing is, I I am saying that I don't know if they are yet, just because of the division they play in. If they're in another division and they got Devontae Adams, I might yep. consider it differently. But I still. I mean, where do we put them this morning in the AFC West compared to yesterday afternoon 
because they got Devontae Adams. They still have the fourth best odds of the right. four teams exactly. in the AFC West. Exactly. It did not change where they sit in the division from an you know odds maker standpoint. Right. They are still the fourth best team in the AFC West. And so, to me, there's there's two primary issues with the Raiders making the trade for Devontae Adams. The first one is more about the money they're giving him. They're trading for and then paying Devontae Adams for what he's already done in his career, not for what he's going to do. Like they pay, He's now the highest-paid non-quarterback yeah. in NFL history because he's been the best receiver in the NFL for the last, whatever, four or five seasons. He's probably not going to be the best receiver in the NFL for the next three seasons, but the Raiders are about to pay him like he's the best receiver in the NFL. 30. Right. He's, you know, he'll be 30 this year. Like it's Again, he's not old, right. but he's getting to the point where most wide receivers' production drops off, and if his drops off a little bit, he's no longer the number one wide receiver, but he's getting paid like that now. If he's the fourth-best receiver over the next three years, then you won't really notice as much. But if the drop-off is more severe, if he's all of a sudden, eh, he's like the 30th-best, then you've got a major problem. That's one issue, but I don't think that's as big of a deal because, as we've seen with help the Raiders this offseason, as we've seen with the Saints pretty much every offseason, you can always find your way out of money. Like, all these contracts, you can apparently just, eh, right. we'll just push it to the future. Right. It'll be somebody else's problem at some point. But the other issue, and probably the bigger issue, with the Raiders trade for Devontae Adams is that it doesn't make them Super Bowl contenders. They, th- this is so. not a team that now all of a sudden jumps up and we're looking around saying, hey, they can win the Super right. Bowl. They're better, no doubt about You're it. Better. They're better today, but it's not a team that is that, – that's a trade you make when you think, hey, we can go win the Super Bowl. And I don't know that they can do that. I don't know that they can win their division. And the division – I and that's maybe the – the arms race in the AFC West, the Raiders basically saw it, and they responded with Chandler Jones and, and Devontae Adams, Adams, right? They went out and signed the, the second-best edge rusher in the, in free, the free agent what, class. who has been the best receiver. And found a way to get the best receiver, uh, who didn't technically reach free agency, but kind of sort of did. They saw the arms race, and they said, well, let's go get our own here. And I think that's the wrong decision to make because – it doesn't make them better than fourth in the division. And even if they are By better odds. than fourth, they're probably third in the division. We've talked about this a lot. For the Raiders to win the division, which is your best hope at winning a Super Bowl, yes, you can do it from a wild card spot. But if you're going to win the Super Bowl, most likely you need to win your division. For the Raiders to win the AFC West, not only does everything have to go right for them this season, things have to go wrong for three other teams, not one or two, all three other teams in the AFC West, things have to go wrong for. So things have to go right for you, and three other teams have to basically have a failed season or at least not live up to expectations. And that the likelihood, the odds of that happening are so small that it's probably in your best interest to rebuild for 2024 when you know Justin Herbert wow. comes off his rookie contract, when Russell Wilson is 37 or whatever he would be at that point. Like The Raiders' championship window, if they had gone about it a different way, probably opens in 2024. I don't think their championship window is open right now despite Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams coming in. Well, we know they're not trying to do that. <laughs> they're trying to go all in now. <laughs> I, think that, I think at least with uh, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, the rebuild idea is out the window. Oh. 100%. Um, it's, they, they think they can win right now. Um, what do you think of the two-pick seat? I thought Sam Gordon, I, he had a good tweet last night. Y'all, and I'm with him on this. Like, I'll wait to see how he performs if, for whatever reason, he stays the best receiver for the next three years. And given, and I know this is a new regime, so it's unfair to put this on them. 
that they haven't drafted well high in drafts. Um, so, you know, the first and second rounder, we don't know who they would have picked. Um, but if this guy is the best receiver, we're watching him now on the big screen for the next three years, I don't mind giving up a first and second for him. No, not at all. I, I think the actual the actual trade value, the Raiders got good value yeah. on the trade. I don't think a first and a second for Devontae Adams is anything to be that worried about. I mean, the only the only real concern about the, the picks they sent is if the Packers draft a rookie wide receiver with mm-hmm. one of those picks. And it then, turns out to be Justin Jefferson. Right, and then the guy has as many yards as Devontae Adams. Right. And then you're looking around saying, huh. Raiders kind of screwed that one up right. there, but that—that's really the only way. Most likely, that's not going to happen. Uh, so I'm not the, the actual trade or the actual picks they sent away. Not too big of a concern because Devonte Adams is most likely going to be better than probably both of those players combined production over the next three seasons, which is perfectly fine if you're the Raiders. It's just a matter of this team not being in a championship window and this being a trade that you make. Because let me ask you this: you you start off talking about the offensive line. Do the Raiders have a top ten offense right now? I don't know because I'm not huge on the running back and I'm not huge on the offensive line. Offensive line is terrible at the yeah, moment. So now presumably you, they're going to fix it. Presumably, have, but I don't know how you have a top ten offense with that line. Right. And so, like right now, if you look at the offensive uh, side of the ball in the different positions, if you take just pass catchers to throw tight ends and wide receivers together, Whoa. they're probably top five in the NFL between Adams, Waller, and Renfro. That is a tremendous trio that puts you near the top of the league. Great job there. Offensive line, they're they're bottom five at the moment, right. at least yeah. bottom ten. I mean, presumably they're going to do something. Presumably they're not going in with Denzel Good and Alex Leatherwood the on the and right side. Yeah, and that we still have a hole. I don't know who would be a, Jermaine Elmenor. Like, presumably they're not going in the uh, next year with that starting offensive line. So, assuming they do something, but I highly doubt they make a big splash that makes them a top ten offensive line. They're right. still going to be bottom half. I don't know if those kind of guys are out there. And then the most important position is quarterback, and they have about the 10th to 12th best quarterback in the league. And that's the most important one, and I don't know that you have a top ten offense if Devontae, or if, excuse me, if Derek Carr is only the 12th best quarterback in the league. So they trade for Devontae Adams, and I'm not 100% convinced they have a top ten offense. And then you flip to the defensive side, they certainly don't have a top 10 defense. I mean, you look at the defensive positions, their edge rushers are probably top five in the league with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. But then after that, what do they have on the interior? Nothing really great at the moment. Linebacker eh. and then defensive backfield, like safeties, Merrigan Abram right now are the starters. I don't know if they're any good. And then they've got good corners, but not great corners. So they're probably league average there. They only have two positions across the entire team. Well, don't count special teams. Wide receiver and edge. Wide receiver and edge. They only have two positions across the entire league where you can say they're top five in, and yeah. I don't think that makes you a Super Bowl contender. No, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender either. Like I said in the beginning, I don't know how you can be a Super Bowl contender if your odds are fourth best to win the division. <laughs> and, again, those <laughs> are just 11 odds. and 6, Ed. I mean, those are just odds, and they, they could finish 11 and 6. We don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're just going on the odds right now, and those can change. Hello, St. Peter's. Um, but, yeah, I thought – they're obviously all in. Uh, I, I understand why. Look, he obviously wanted to play with Carr. It's not the worst thing in the world to be in a battle with that kind of money uh, rather than in Milwaukee uh, trying to save as much money as he can. I want to know. And they said Aaron Rodgers was kept abreast of this the entire way. 
I really want to know what poor sap they sent down the hallway to say it was over. Okay. Like the like the equipment guy, like Jimmy, you're going to go tell Aaron Rodgers that this is now done. So he's down there reading a book or they, something. Oh. They hired his quarterback's coach. They brought that guy yeah. out of retirement. It's his job. That's why they hired him. Yeah, you just, go tell him. You, you, you go, go tell, tell him. him. You're, you're not even calling plays. Yeah, you're, you're here just to be the Aaron Rodgers uh, mediator, basically, is his job. I'll give you a hot take before we go to break here. Hunter Renfro. Average slot wide receiver from now on. Yep. Oh, because of Devontae Adams. Hunter Renfro is a good wide receiver. He's a good player. But Hunter Renfro had a breakout year last year. Why? Henry Ruggs gone from the team. Yep. Darren Waller injured. Yeah. Hunter Renfro just got a massive amount of targets. And listen, he was good. It's not that Hunter Renfro was bad with those targets. But the reason Hunter Renfro had a breakout year is because he was the only competent guy for Derek Carr to throw to yeah. for about half of the season. Devontae Adams is on this team. Devontae Adams is getting the majority of the targets. If Darren Waller if stays Darren Waller's healthy, healthy, Hunter Renfro is the third option. We yeah. are we are not talking about Hunter Renfro as an awesome wide receiver at the end of this season. We're talking about him as, eh, he's a f- solid slot third number three option, which is good because well, you wanted to get better yeah, than, I was than say, that, Hunter that's Renfro. That's not a bad thing. But uh, when we talk about like wide receiver groups and we're like, ooh, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, I don't think we're doing that at the end of the year. I think we're saying, yeah, it's Devontae Adams and then – Hunter Renfro's fine. He runs some nice routes when they're in close on the goal line or whatever They it is, should trade him to Tampa. That should be it. All right, coming up next, what the hell happened to the Mountain West yesterday? Weigler backing it out. High pass into the corner. Akinjo secures like a hot potato, tossing it around out of Flagler. Flagler finding Thumba inside for a two-hand flush. Great find from Flagler, and Thumba knew what to do. I mean, I took guys out because they wouldn't shoot the ball. I did that about three times. If you don't shoot it, I'm taking you out. They won't shoot them, and I had to take them out. I had to do that three times. I said, I don't care if you make it. Understand that Oscar's under the basket, and if you miss it, he'll get it. But if you drive into nine guys and you, you throw something where he's got four guys on him, it's hard. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Maybe that's how St. Peter's won. They had 13 Your guys. mic is like down by your chin there you maybe go. that's how there st peter's go. won they had 13 guys <laughs> on the court driving to nine and there's four around them <laughs> thank you else? for producing the show Tyler. you're welcome um we're out at the Westgate at the superbook day two of the ncaa tournament come on down games getting started at 9 15 again today great place to watch the ncaa tournament if you're not going to make it down here Make sure you download the Superbook Race and Sportsbook app. And right now, if you spend 100 bucks, you get 100 bucks in the Superbook yeah. Race and Sportsbook app. Now, would you rather get one team in the NCAA tournament or four teams in the NCAA tournament, but all four lose in their first game? Who's the one team? St. <laughs> Peter's. No, I would rather have four. <laughs> There's a better chance. Uh, is it Gonzaga? Is it Kansas? Nope. It is St. Peter's, or you go 0-4 as a conference, as the Mountain West did yesterday. Oh, do I get the win over Kentucky? That's the key. Yeah. Oh, then I'll take the win over okay. Kentucky. Okay. <laughs> because the Mountain the West. embarrassment that was the Mountain West yet again in this tournament. That two-and-a-half bet, uh, that flew under the radar. So the Mountain West has what most people considered sort of a, a comeback season, right? They get four teams in the NCAA tournament. Four teams safely, or three teams safely in the NCAA tournament, and Wyoming got uh, in as the last team. All four teams lost their first game. And probably more importantly to point out, they lost a 12-12 play-in game, so they lost to a 12 seed. They lost an 8-9 game. They lost another 8-9 game, and they lost to an 11 seed as a 6 seed. Right. This was not, oh, we got in as a 12 or a 13 and lost to a 5 or a 4. No. 
they lost to nine seeds or worse in all four of their games. These were, granted, I think they were underdogs in three of the four, but they were games that were winnable, games that they could have won, and they completely blew it yesterday. Do you think it, how bad does it look on the Mountain West for that to happen? I think it looks really bad because it's a consistent theme. If last year, you know, if they won two or three games in a year and then they just had a bad year this year, okay, you can, like, write it off. But people are making fun. Like I said, I saw on Twitter yesterday some guys who bet a lot of money, they were making fun at the two-and-a-half on the total, and they said they just made a ton of money betting the under because the Mountain West is not good when it comes to this tournament. And I'm trying to figure out why. I know it's matchups. I know every year it's matchups. But you look at some of those games yesterday, specifically San Diego State, and the lead they had, that was atrocious. It was a horrible, like our buddy Mark Ziegler wrote, it was humiliating. Uh, it was just a terrible, terrible loss when you're up. And this is Creighton. Come on. Um, right. you're, up to, you're up against Creighton like that, and you don't score. And it was the same problem with San Diego State all year. They go through four or five-minute stretches where they can't even get a basket. They went through the last four minutes without a basket. Then they lose in overtime. They had a chance in overtime. Bradley did what he did at Boise State. He has the free throws to win it. Can't make the free throws. It's a horrible loss. Um you know, Colorado State's got the big lead against Michigan. They blow it in the second half. Uh, who am I missing? Boise State got Boise State just got run yeah. by better athletes. And, you know, I mean, they, they just couldn't handle those guys. And we saw Wyoming. I thought it was an embarrassment for the league. So I think the, the one of the biggest things when you watch the NCAA tournament is you shouldn't make, like, big sweeping, hey, that means this team or this conference sucked based on a single elimination tournament. Because weird stuff happens in single elimination tournaments. St. Peter's beats Kentucky. It doesn't mean St. Peter's had a better season than Kentucky. But weird stuff happens. However, the Mountain West has won uh, only like 31% of its games ever in the, in the right. NCAA tournament. This is not a one-year sample size where oh. the Mountain West struggles in the NCAA tournament. They have struggled since the conference was created. This is a multi-decade problem for the Mountain West. I will give them one, one little break. Probably the best Mountain West team ever was San Diego State in the year that COVID canceled the NCAA tournament. I feel pretty comfortable that San Diego State as a two seed would have won at least one game in the NCAA yep. tournament. Probably two. They probably have a Sweet 16 appearance in the last three years if COVID, COVID hadn't canceled cancel that, yeah. that NCAA tournament. So they do get they a little unfortunate there that the best team they've ever had <laughs> in the conference didn't get there. But this is a every year situation for the Mountain West where they don't live up to expectations in the NCAA tournament or don't win close games, whatever it ends up being, or at least games that are close in the spread. And that's a bit of an issue going forward for the Mountain West because it's one thing to get them in, but it's another thing to actually win some games and actually prove, yeah, we, Mountain West is a good conference. Mountain West can actually win games here in the NCAA tournament, and we, we haven't seen that in a long no. time. And if you go year to year, I think, you know, look, they should go year to year because every year is different. Um, I'm wondering, though, if some of the committee members take note of this. I mean, I, they shouldn't because you should go year to year and, okay, who the best team is. The best team should make the 68. I get that. But they just – I mean, it, it, it's – again, I'll say it's – I maybe embarrassment's too strong a word because, like you said, weird things happen. And it's, you know, it's an annual thing, and, you know, they just maybe got into games where they didn't match up, although San Diego State more than matched up with their opponent. Um, but it, it, it it's becoming a problem, and it's a bad look for the league. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's absolutely an embarrassment yesterday. Like, no doubt about it. San Diego State scored, had a nine-point lead with three minutes and 51 and seconds to go. And lost in overtime, right? Colorado State had a seven-point lead at halftime and lost by 12. And they're 15. Right. They got they got crushed in the second half against Michigan. Boise State got demolished in the first half. Boise State came back and made it a single-digit game, but Boise State got demolished. They were down 19 at halftime. Like, 
all of these teams had massive stretches where they were terrible in their games. And again, it was against a couple of nine seeds and an 11 seed. This wasn't against like great teams that you would expect to shut down the best teams in the Mountain West. Now, from a UNLV perspective, do we re- reevaluate UNLV season based on the Mountain West in the NCAA tournament? It's a good question, especially the two blowouts of CSU. I don't know. I mean, I I think you in the NCAA tournament, you made the best point. Crazy things happen. It's just a one-out game. I think UNLV what was you know was what UNLV was. I mean, they had a couple good. They had some good wins in the league, but they weren't good enough to get there. I don't know if you reevaluate the entire season based on the embarrassing losses yesterday. I mean, they lose to San Diego State twice, and Creighton does what it does. Um, they beat Wyoming once, and we saw what they did against Indiana. But I, I didn't. I didn't even think of that in terms of UNLV. I just thought that like, yesterday was a horrible, horrible day for the league. So the interesting part about the Mountain West and what happened yesterday in the NCAA tournament is it's very similar to what happened to the Mountain West in the non-conference portion of the season. There were not very many good wins for the Mountain West before conference play started. Uh, I think both San Diego State and Colorado State beat St. Mary's. And Those that, were the best wins. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. And I don't think anybody else had like a significant win. And UNLV is actually a, a very good example of what the Mountain West was this year. UNLV played five top 100 teams in the non-conference. They went 0-5 oh, and, and got blown out, got beat by double digits or more in four of them. Right. right? Only one of them was close, which Wichita State. State. But the five quality teams they played, they lost all five. All of UNLV's good wins came in Mountain West play which ended up being true for the majority of teams in this conference. Outside of those two wins over St. Mary's, almost all the other quality wins that these teams had were against each other in conference play. This conference didn't actually prove they can beat anybody outside of this conference, with the exception of St. Mary's. Like, they didn't really prove that because Wyoming had a terribly easy non-conference schedule, right? They didn't beat anybody. Yeah, they didn't beat anybody. Not a single team. They didn't play many. So, like... This conference didn't prove they can do much outside of conference play. So everything that was good in conference play, and this goes for UNLV and the other teams, is in the context of, oh, this was only good within the realms of the Mountain West. This, this doesn't really mean anything outside of the Mountain West. And then they go into the NCAA tournament, go 0-4, and, and it sort of hammers that point home even more. So I don't know how much you should be feeling worse about UNLV at the moment, but I think a little bit. I mean, I think there's some level of, wow, yeah, well, okay, we beat Colorado State, and we, we beat Wyoming, and Boise State yeah, took care of us, and San Diego State took care of us, and none of those teams are actually close to going to the second round. None of those teams are right. in the second round. They couldn't beat a Creighton. They couldn't beat a 11 seeded Michigan. Like, I think there's some of it you have to look at and say, that's that's not ideal, and maybe we need to re- reevaluate an 18-14 and 14 UNLV season that wasn't as good as those teams they couldn't win in the NCAA tournament. Really, yeah. So, does it mean a whole lot? Probably not, but not great for the Mountain West. Who would you terrible. Who would you rather be today, Kentucky or the Mountain West? John Calipari or Craig uh, Thompson? I'd rather be Calipari because Calipari's got the lifetime deal, and he, you know he <laughs> lost one game. If you're Craig Thompson, you've got a consistent issue. The, you know, the Calipari was a one-off against a team that you know played probably its best game of the year, and his team didn't play well. But I think if you're Craig Thompson, you've got a You've got, a, you've got an issue on your hand that your teams can't win in, in, in March. All right, coming up next, Ben Brown joins the show. If you found out elsewhere that he was going to be released, do you have a comment on that? Yeah, that's on me. I own that. Yeah, I say that. That's on me. You know. No, it, no it, it really is. It's, uh, look, it's, 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 I, I, wish, I wish I could have handled things better in that regard from a communication standpoint. I owe to him. The organization owes it to him. Uh, it's always somewhat awkward when uh, – 
a player represents himself. Uh, you know, we've had some very high-profile individuals represent themselves here, and uh, you know, you never know exactly what's going to happen at the end of the day. So to approach somebody and say there may be a possible trade, would you consider this? And then that player comes back to you. You know, that's not that's not a good situation. So from a timing standpoint, I wish I would handle things differently. We are back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. We are at the Westgate Superbook for the second day of the NCAA tournament. Come on down and watch some college basketball as this place is starting to fill up. Come get your bets in. If you're not going to make it down here, make sure you have the Superbook race and sportsbook app right now. If you spend 100 bucks, you will get $100. Cofield & Company will be here live at 1 o'clock today, an early edition of Cofield & Company, because we're carrying the nightcap here on ESPN Las Vegas of the NCAA tournament. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Good morning, Ben. How are hey, you? Ben. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. It's got to be a great day in Vegas, though, that's for sure. I mean, I wish they would have waited till Monday when the NCAA tournament wasn't happening. But, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, Devontae Adams is here. So let me ask you this. The Raiders' odds to actually win the division or win the Super Bowl uh, still fourth best in the AFC West. Um, should those be changed? Do you think there's value on the Raiders as the least likely team to win this division? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. And I think, you know, according to, like, DraftKings Sportsbook, which is what we monitor quite a bit, they moved up uh, right around, like, 3.1% implied probability from, like, plus 1,000 to plus 700. So not a not a drastic move by any stretch of the imagination. So I do think if you uh, are of the belief that Devontae Adams is going to uh, continue to be the best wide receiver in the NFL, obviously pairing him with Derek Carr, with Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, that gives them uh, a dynamic enough offense to compete in the AFC West, I would say, right? And then the question becomes, uh, can that secondary round into form? Is Max Crosby going to be uh, as effective bringing the pressure as he was in 2021? So uh, my concern, I guess, right now with them competing in the AFC West is uh, do they have the defense to potentially slow down some of these offensive juggernauts that they're going to be facing off against? You think also, though, uh, I mean, the one thing we're looking at, wide receiver, edge rusher, they've really improved themselves but we go back to offensive line, that they just don't yep. seem to have the offensive line. And it's one thing to have Devontae Adams, but if you can't protect him to throw to him, there's something going to happen. Yeah, definitely. And I do agree. And, you know, they obviously don't really have any ammunition to address that uh, with the you know, first two draft picks now, uh, given the compensation that they gave up. See, it is, it is concerning, especially with, you know, the Chargers uh, definitely rounding into form defensively as well. Uh, and the Denver Broncos look like they, you know, have made some plays as well. I've already been kind of a top-level defense. So, uh, yeah, if they if they cannot protect their car, uh, that's going to be obviously the thing that really is a detriment to them offensively. So, so we'll see. It's you know, it's, there's two sides to every coin. I know some people are really excited about the move. Some people maybe think uh, they overpaid, but uh, I think you know, landing Devontae Adams was. Uh, the chance they needed to take to actually improve and get up into uh, actually be able to compete with these teams in the AFC West. In the AFC West, you obviously have the Chiefs who have been dominating this division. Chargers got a lot better. They added star power, and the Broncos fixed their biggest problem at quarterback with Russell Wilson. The Raiders saw that and said, well, let's go get Chandler Jones. Let's go get Devontae Adams, basically joining that race. Should they have done the opposite, though? Should they have looked at it and said, wow, this division is really good. A lot's going to have to go our way, even if we get Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones just to win this division. We should probably sit it out and try to be good in 2024 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, this is kind of what we talked about last week, right? Are they trying to maximize this particular year's 
uh, win expectation? Are they trying to max out, maximize their actual Super Bowl odds in future years? And I do think this is an all-in move uh, for the next two, maybe three seasons, given you know if Devontae Adams can maintain his elite-level status as a wide receiver. But uh, the concern, I think, especially in 2022, as well as is the schedule, right? They're going to be facing off against the second most difficult schedule in the AFC West right now. They have, you know, games against the Patriots, against the Saints, who could land Deshaun Watson uh, as well. And the Broncos are going to have, you know, a much easier schedule, the Chargers as well. So uh, in all things considered, uh, I don't think that they probably closed the gap enough to really justify this trade. But uh, the exciting thing is, is that, you know, it gives the fans hope and uh, maybe there's a lot of paths to them actually competing for that AFC West. I just think that, uh, it might have been a little bit overstated uh, right now is my my personal assumption. From what you've seen at the position he plays, and we were talking earlier about the contract he got, does Devontae Adams have at least three great ones left? Yeah, see, the thing is, you know, it's, this is kind of the age where we do see wide receivers drop off pretty considerably. Now, Devontae Adams has defied logic already being, you know, the best wide receiver in the NFL, and you can say in some ways that his game is uh, not necessarily reliant particular on top end speed, he is able to you know separate quickly underneath uh, in a lot of ways similar to what Hunter Renfro is able to do. So maybe that can you know maximize his abilities to be an elite level receiver. But uh, yeah, the, toward the end of this particular contract, third and fourth year, uh, I think we could see a much slower Devontae Adams, and I think that has to be uh, the main concern with this trade and with this contract that they gave up for him. Uh, if you were betting on this division, who would you bet on to win, or would you just stay away from it? I mean, so looking at it, like the whole percentage on this division in particular is so great right now. I do think that there's some opportunity. I personally, you know, like plus 175 price, I do think the Chiefs still make a lot of sense, unfortunately. Um, given, you know, what we've seen Patrick Holmes capable of, uh, close to the ceiling. There's just no quarterback in the NFL that I think can touch that. Uh, so that's probably why, uh, you know, they, they're the one team that maybe hasn't gotten a whole lot better uh, than the other teams in the AFC West, but I still think at their current price, they're probably the spot that I would lean toward. Uh, the Chargers have probably moved up, and I don't buy into Denver whatsoever. So if there was a second team, given even the move that, they, you know, we've seen yesterday, I do think that the Raiders, if you think that Devontae Adams is going to be able to, uh, you know, be the, the number one wide receiver in the NFL, they do still make some sense at plus 700, in my opinion. Uh, Brady coming back, if you change your uh, mind on any of the odds in the NFC. I mean, I'm still kind of, you know, it's it's pending the Deshaun Watson situation. It sounds like the Falcons, uh, you know, are going to probably be the landing spot when it's all said and done. Um, but, but the thing with, and I think, like, when that happens, that's when I would really want to buy into Tampa Bay, right? Because I do think there's going to be, probably a little bit of an overcorrection on the Saints or the Falcons when they do land Deshaun Watson. And he's still going to serve either a four- to eight-game suspension, probably six games or something like that. So uh, I don't think that wherever he lands, they're going to be able to compete with Tampa Bay uh, this particular season. But I do think we're going to see the market kind of react in that manner. So uh, I'm waiting a little bit, and I do think that at some point that's when you can probably buy into Tampa Bay when, when that rumor actually becomes fact uh, and Deshaun Watson actually hands it has his landing spot in the NFC South. Ben Brown with us from Pro Football Focus. Did you see the story uh, from last week about a couple of people that came and placed some bets on the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl and win the NFC a few days before Tom Brady actually announced he was coming back? I did see. I did see a few. You know, I, I saw some bookmakers. Uh, you know, shed a few tears over a couple situations. I guess is all. You know, is what I saw basically. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. I mean. Uh, there's a lot of times where 
bookmakers probably have some sort of ed, uh, information advantage over over betters. And you know, when that coin is flipped, I don't necessarily think that's justification mm-hmm. to have any sort of uh, you know mm-hmm. look into it or any matter. I think you know. Uh, the bookmakers probably have to take some hits as well, and I do think that's probably just what happened in this situation, from my perspective, as as a better, not a bookmaker. So, we had a couple guys locally saying they didn't think gaming control would actually look into it. I, I mean, I would be shocked if they did. To be honest with you, um, you know, those those are sorts of things that happen. Maybe uh, Tom Brady leaked it to the to the wrong person, and you know, he went around and got some action. But uh, that's you know, that's the that's the risk when you are booking some of these markets. And I think you need to uh, at least have some of that information baked into the line that you were offering. And, you know, a few of the, a few of the books, unfortunately, didn't have that. And that's when, uh, you know, they can get upset about it, but I don't really think that's justification for any sort of uh, look into the manner in any legal way, I would say. Uh, what team would you bet on to be the team that Baker Mayfield takes a snap for next? Um, I do think the Colts are going to obviously end up with somebody. I would love to see Matt Ryan in that situation, but I do think they're going to take Baker Mayfield as a consolation prize over Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, so the Colts make a lot of sense. Uh, maybe somebody in the NFC uh, as well, but uh, it's tough to see who's really going to you know, give anything for Baker Mayfield at this point, given the fact that he could easily sit out as well. So uh, I think it's going to be the Colts. Maybe it's Seattle, but uh, I think the Matt Ryan uh, domino needs to happen before we see any news on Baker Mayfield. Do you have a final four? I do have a final four. Uh, it might be a little bit destroyed yesterday. I do have the Tennessee Volunteers winning it all, so I felt pretty good after their performance yesterday, but uh, other than that, yeah, I usually go off the chalk, try and hit some, you know, a two or a three seed to win it all and hopefully win my bracket that way, so we'll see if that works out for me. It has not worked out for me. Uh, in any years prior, um, kind of a March Madness donkey, but uh, I love the gambling aspect of it, so definitely got to get involved. Well, he has been Brown from Pro Football Focus. Ben, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, thanks, guys. Have a great show. You too. Yeah. You get told Tom Brady's coming back. You immediately go into place a bet at a sports book. You work for a newspaper. You got to report yeah, it, don't exactly. you? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't have done that. What he does is he tells his son. I'll pay whatever. I'll just pay you. And if it doesn't happen, I'll have to pay you anyway. All right. Coming up next, uh, it's supposed to be a surprise guest, but Jared ruined it for us. So we already know who's coming. Similar as well. Is that just normal round one preparation to, you know, be uncertain, I guess, how you're going to prepare? You've got the nerve to ask me a question and even be here. So you've been preying on us the last two times. You barracked for Melbourne, Tom Morris. Your conflict of interest here is considerable, and yet your gutter journalism at the moment is killing us and beyond the scenes. This is why the health and well-being of people in the game is caught up in all this stuff. I can't. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're proud of yourself. Yeah, Fox backs me. Completely. Wow. And to be Tuesday. honest, to be Tuesday. honest, Tuesday. no, no, that's enough. That's enough. Next question, please. Um, yeah, next question. You, you, mate, you, you're not welcome. Right? And, uh, this is the AFL's press conference, and I'll it's sit what? here. It's the what, AFL's press conference. Yeah, OK. Well, well I think you got enough boys and girls. You got, I think we're probably done, aren't we? Yeah, you're an embarrassment to what you do, mate. You're an embarrassment. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. 
That is some sport somewhere in the country of Australia and a terrific press conference that Jared played for us a few days ago on the show. When I asked Jared to explain it, he sort of fumbled through it, and Jared was completely wrong in explaining what happened there. One of our favorite listeners is Stephen. He's from Australia, and Jared has found Stephen so that Stephen can explain to us what happened. Stephen, before you actually answer that, what time is it? Uh, it is currently 1.51 a.m. Go to sleep. Oh, what are you man. doing? What are you doing up at this time? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, talking to you guys because I love you so much. <laughs> okay. So you're, as the, our, you're the one. As our, yes, as our Australian listener, uh, can you walk us through what happened there? Yeah. So what happened is on uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, the journalist in question, Tom Morris, reported that a Western Bulldogs player, uh, Lockie Hunter, uh, would not be playing that week, uh, which was denied by the club, and he was named in the squad. Um, this was before the team list has to be in uh, for the uh, for the round. Um, he was then taken out of the squad and re-added in um, due to a late injury to another player. Um, the Western Bulldogs go on to lose by 26 points. The press conference happened, and just all hell kind of broke loose. Um, now, what was lost in that was that the coach, Luke Beveridge, confirmed that Tom Morris's reporting was correct and that there was a leak coming out of the Western Bulldogs organization. So I guess a lot of what came out in that press conference was frustration uh, at the leakage and the fact that it had been reported before it needed to be reported. Um, so everything's kind of all wrapped up now. Um, yesterday... Uh, Luke Beveridge came out and apologised and said, um, I'll just put a couple of quotes in here, nothing, because the whole thing is, like, ridiculously long. I have reflected on my comments and actions from the post-game press conference after last night's game and acknowledged that my exchange with journalist Tom Morris overstepped the mark, apologised for my behaviour, apologised to Tom Morris and all those present last night to our members, supporters, partners in the white football community. We have strong values. They are values that I believe in and support and live. My actions last night were not consistent with those values or the way we go about business as a football club or I go about life as an individual. I recognise that what I did was not okay. So that's all been pretty much settled up um, from that side of things. Uh, the journalist in question around the same time on Thursday was stood down by Fox Sports um, after some unsavory audio became public and I'm not going to go into details about that because the um, the audio in question made me feel uh, sick and disgusted to my stomach and if anyone wants to read more about why that is so they can head over to my Twitter at Politic Stephen um, so they go into a little bit of detail about it there but you know, not a, they're not thoughts that are exactly fit for radio. So, so the coach, so after calling him an embarrassment, he ended up apologizing? Yes. Um, oh, whether that was forced by the league or the club or whether, like, obviously the statement says that he realizes, but there was every chance that was forced. Not that I'm going to put any doubt on um, Luke Beveridge, but, yeah, an apology, um, apology was come out and uh, $20,000 was donated by the club to charity to work uh with a youth mental health organization in the local area. All right. Okay, so we, we that's awesome that he explained it, so we knew. Now at 7.45 on Monday, we need someone to tell us what Stephen just said. <laughs> uh, Stephen, I'll, I, um, I'll translate again. I, no, I have I'm, a, I'm not, I'm I, not 
being awake at uh, this time on a regular basis. I don't plan to anyway. Uh, I have another important question for you. Does anybody in Australia know what the NCAA tournament is? Uh, yeah. Um, so I work uh, for the Inner Sanctum, which is how I know a lot more about this. And we've um, there's a few people participating in a bracket where um, I'm not one of them. I gen generally don't care for college basketball unless UNLV is playing because of you guys. You've got me hooked on everything Vegas sports. Um, so the only NCAA tournament action I plan to watch is uh, the Lady Rebels in action on uh, Sunday oh, okay. afternoon. Wow, look at you. Well, Say if you said the UNLV men, you're going to be <laughs> waiting, a long time. waiting a long time for that, Stephen. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us from Australia. Go back to sleep Thank you, now. Go to sleep. It is way too late get some sleep no uh, thank you very much for having me today guys yeah so there's Stephen paletti live from australia and apparently we have made him care about unlb basketball yeah and it's the worst thing we've yeah ever we done should we should really apologize yeah <laughs> we shouldn't have done that he cares about unlb basketball not good not ideal but well if he's waiting around for the NCAA tournament <laughs> you better watch the lady rebels <laughs> it's the only shot you got if you only care about unlb College sports such a foreign concept to the rest of the world, isn't it? Like, yeah. Although I've been in I've been in London books where they take a lot of they take a lot of action on anything in America. So I wonder what how much action they take on the March Madness. I'd love to know. But if you go into a London book, it's all it's all on the board. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see you know how many people there are actually staying up or or watching watching this. I can't imagine there's that many people staying no. up to watch it. Like, I could maybe get, like, there's some diehard NFL fans that are over there. Oh, NBA, too. Yeah, but definitely. there can't be that many people that care enough about college sports. And, and yeah. the whole thing about the whole reason college sports here are so popular is because people went to that college. Like, that's yes, it. Right? Yes. Like, there, there's a sense of this is my school. This is my team. Yeah, we see people I went walking there. around here with all the, all the jerseys on mm -hmm. and the shirts from certain schools. Right. Because it is, as much as I love college sports, it is clearly inferior to the professional products that we have in this country. Yes. The NFL is better than college football. The NBA is better, better than, than college, college basketball. basketball. But we still love it because I went to I went to Ole Miss. So if right. Ole Miss plays, you know, and they suck this year, but if they play in a basketball game that matters, I'll probably watch it. But if you're in another country, you you don't care about Ole Miss basketball. You don't care about Murray State and San Francisco playing a basketball game. Hell, we don't even care about it until this time of year because we put it on a stupid bracket who we thought was going to win. I went to San Diego State. I did watch the game last night. And I will say this. The rubber remote did not get thrown. I'm used to it. I'm used yeah, to the fair. four to five minutes of, of not scoring. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, if they didn't do it, I would have been disappointed. You know, why, why win with a nine-point lead with th under the, the th under three-minute timeout? Oh, Creighton's, why, why? Creighton's not even, like, actually any good either. No, no. Like, whew. They are. It's a 5-12 game, and you're the 12 or 13-4, and you're the 13. It's like, okay, you're just probably not going to win that game. But the 8-9, when you're, you know, you're up nine with three minutes left, it's just like the Mountain West. That was the most embarrassing loss of the four. You think so? Up nine under three minutes. Yeah, because they, they blew good. it late. Creighton's yeah, not good. Yeah, they blew it late. They're That's not very fair. Good. Like I, I expected Memphis and Michigan to win. I did not expect Creighton to beat San Diego State. 